Welcome to Life's Journeys podcast by Aviva. I'm Michael Sheridan and I'll be your host for today's episode, which is all about car engines and what you should know before buying. Joining me today is John Hardigan, electrician and father of three from County Meath, who's looking for a steer on the best engine type to suit his needs. So, John, how can I help you today? Hi, Michael. How's it going? Uh, great to have a chat with you. Uh, basically, Michael, um, I'm trying to find something that will be suitable for what I um, I do. I have a busy, hectic life outside of work, which is basically transporting stuff for my football team that I look after, which is DLR Waves. And I, I need to find a, a reasonably good car that has an economical engine. So what I want to know from you is basically I'm looking to see what various engine types are out there in the market and what I should be looking for. It's interesting times because at the moment, Every bit of advice is trying to get us out of our fossil fuel burning cars, out of diesels in particular. And all the advice coming from government is to get out of this and go towards electrification. And they've set targets for sales of electric cars. So there's a lot to take in. There's a lot of new acronyms we have to learn. And there's a lot of misinformation out there, which is frankly, for a lot of people, terrifying, thinking that they just have to uh, all of a sudden sell their petrol or diesel car thinking that it's worthless. But the future is going towards electrification. So let's look at a few of the acronyms you may have heard. I don't know if you've heard of a few of these um, and they can drive people crazy because you've got things like MHEV, HEV, PHEV, BEV. Uh, and John, you know, it's it's double Dutch when you think about it. I suppose the key thing initially with these initials is EV. Anything which has EV in it, that means electric vehicle. Okay, so there's some which are partly electric, some which are all electric, and some which have a little bit of added jiggery pokery, which makes them slightly better than the diesel and petrol engines that you and I grew up knowing and and loving. Um, So let's look at the the, the first. We have ICE engines, as you, you may have heard the phrase ICE, that's internal combustion engine. Even internal combustion engine sounds so technical, but that's the engine you and I know that goes clatter, bang, wallop. It's a raging fire of mechanical bits trying to beat the daylights out of themselves. There's up to 4,000 moving components in an engine. That's why we need our oil, our good oil, and we need to maintain the engine and so on. Compare that to an electric motor that has about three moving parts. So internal combustion engines, by their very nature, are old. They're bashing and wearing out the whole time and all the rest. But we love them in Ireland because we know a diesel will deliver great mileage and it will be able to last a long time if you keep it serviced. You might have heard of a mild hybrid. Okay, that's an MHEV. You'll see it and you'll see people saying, oh, the new mild hybrid from such and such. And there's a lot of new cars now which are mild hybrid. It's a very cheap way of making an engined car, a petrol or even a diesel car, more cleaner and greener for the environment by reducing emissions ever so slightly. It also, if you have reduced emissions, you're doing better fuel consumption. So a petrol mild hybrid will do better fuel consumption than just a petrol on its own. But it's an additional bit of gubbins. It has a small rechargeable battery. And John, you know, a starter motor, a starter generator that you'd have in 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 a car traditionally. Well, that's usually done away with and the hybrid system charges up um, using power from the engine, charges up its own version uh, of a starter motor, starter generator. And that's how it saves fuel. So mild hybrids, don't be confused. They're just really glorified, cleaner and slightly greener diesel and petrol engines. HEV, now that's a regular hybrid. We've heard um, this phrase so much and we've heard one particular, the world leader in cars, a Japanese giant company, it only sells hybrids these days. And it has 
reasons for doing that. And basically, well, it sells in a lot of markets where petrol is king, America, Asia, and so on. Let's not forget little old Ireland. Nobody builds cars just for Ireland. We're a tiny market. So we get whatever the UK is getting. Um, hybrids make a lot of sense in America. They make a lot of sense in other places where petrol is absolutely adored. And what a hybrid does is it has a rechargeable battery as part of it, but it needs a petrol engine predominantly, but it can also have a diesel. And it needs that to charge up a slightly larger rechargeable battery that can help the car drive. So a lot of these will only do maybe one kilometer, two or three kilometers at the most on electricity only. And they'll tend to decide when they use that electricity. You and I know your diesel that you have, it's a very torquey engine, so it's strong, it can pull. And what a hybrid will do is that electric motor, electric motors have tons of torque, so they will provide a lot of pulling power and they fill in the gap between that bit in a petrol engine where you're waiting for the revs to come up till you get your power from horsepower um, and they'll fill that in lower down. So you'll actually get reasonable pulling power. Now, all hybrids, all HEVs, are automatic. So they'll use, the majority of them will use a CVT automatic gearbox, which is basically a very whiny sounding uh, gearbox. It's a single sort of conical gear, which is nobody needs to know about this. You just put the thing into drive and you drive it like an automatic. So that's a hybrid. So hybrid is a very much a buzzword. And for a lot of people, it will work well, but it's not necessarily the answer. Now, PHEV, this is getting interesting now. PHEV, John, any idea what the PH stands for? No idea. I've seen so, it on the side of vehicles all right, but I have no idea. Okay, so, well, the HEV is a hybrid electric mm -hmm. vehicle. P, plug. It's got a plug. Oh, well, there you go. Now, the nice thing with this is, if you imagine a hybrid has a battery that's the size of, say, one, a PHEV has a battery, say, the size of four, and an electric car would have a battery the size of 30, maybe. Okay, so just in simple terms, it's got a bigger battery again, bigger rechargeable battery than... Uh, the hybrid, but you can plug this battery in. Now, most PHEVs that are on sale today, new, will do a minimum, as they say, they quote, of 50 kilometers on electricity only, okay? In the real world, and maybe in winter, because electric motors don't work so well in cold weather, you're looking at 30 kilometers, guaranteed that it can run on electricity. So at your house, if you plug the car in overnight, get your low night rate electricity, whatever it is, and your car is full of electricity when you get out to it in the morning. You've got a full tank of fuel, remember, as well. But if you drive the car with a light foot, a light accelerator, you can do 30 kilometers just on the electricity you've used. So you might never need the engine at all. So school runs, short hops, everything else, a plug-in hybrid is a terrific thing. So that's a PHEV. They make a lot of sense. And John, I know you'd appreciate the technical side of this. The fuel tank on most PHEVs has to be pressurized for fear of fuel going off because they're that economical. Okay, so on paper, they can do up to 150, 160 miles per gallon. So they are very impressive. They are the gap between full electric and the engines that we have now. And they're the most interesting and probably the most future-proof, but we can, we can come to, back to that again. The hot power source under the bonnet these days is BEV, and that stands for Battery Electric Vehicle. So basically what you have is you've got a car, but underneath the bonnet, there isn't an engine. There's a motor, an electric motor, the same as you'd find in a washing machine or a tumble dryer. It's the same principle. Underneath the floor of that car, there's no fuel tank, but what there is is a massive big 
battery pack, generally lithium ion batteries, and they're rechargeable. So with a battery electric car, you plug it in to charge it up, much like a mobile phone, and you drive it till the, all the electricity is gone. So they can be two-wheel drive, they can be four-wheel drive. If they're two-wheel drive, they have a single motor. If they're four-wheel drive, they're called dual motor. And you've got different power outputs of those motors. But what most people will find when they drive a battery electric vehicle for the first time is they go, wow, because it literally accelerates like nothing you'd have driven before. Electric motors give all of their power instantly. So the moment you put your foot on the accelerator, all of this power and force goes through the wheels and you take off like an absolute sprinter. So BEVs, they're expensive because the battery technology and the motors involved are expensive. But these are the vehicles that are being built for the future. At the moment, they're heavily incentivized, but they're still very dear compared to internal combustion engine cars, hybrids, and even plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. But BEVs definitely are the future. And also you may have heard of hydrogen fuel cars. Hydrogen is just another way of generating fuel, uh, electricity fuel to power an electric car. So hydrogen powers a battery electric vehicle basically. So that's down the line. Hydrogen will work for trucks. There are some cars that it's being trialed in and that's coming down the way. So they're the engine choices that are out there at the moment, the types of engines that you can find on your bonnet. Right, okay. <laughs> a lot of information there. Like, are there pros and cons there for each engine type? And realistically, what should I be considering now going forward? Well, first of all, if you're considering what you need for, everybody sort of skips over, and that's the most obvious thing, John, and it, it sounds nearly sounds patronizing saying, first and foremost, what do you use the car for? If you need to carry kit, and carry people, you need to get a box that's big enough to take the people and take the kit. All car manufacturers will sell you. They'll put a menu in front of you. They want to get you from the time you're a teen and you want a two-seater sports car all the way through to you have an MPV or a big estate or whatever else. They will have a car to suit your needs. So once you've identified what you want to put in the car and that it fits and that it's large enough, then you've engine choice. The joy I've had as, as a motoring journalist of reviewing a lot more petrols and hybrids and so on is we've taken for granted the noise a diesel makes and the vibration it makes under your backside and when you're driving along and when you're in stop start traffic and all the rest and the rattle and the rattle and startup and if you have an early start in the morning and there's if you're parked under a window you won't be thanked by the person there because you'll hear the car belch and grumble as it gets up to operating temperature but you'll still be delighted that you can do a thousand kilometers on one tank of fuel petrol is very good the new petrol engines are usually smaller a lot of them are three-cylinder engines, even in large cars, um, and they're turbocharged. So the engineering involved in them is much, much better. And um, we still have to see if they can take really high mileage, but the addition of a turbocharger means that the brake horsepower, the power of the car, how, how quick, how much zip it has, is much better. And a lot of the turbochargers are designed to be sort of two-stage, so they'll fill in a gap low down where you'd get the torque or the pulling power from a diesel engine. You'll get it a little bit sooner in what would be a fairly wispy engine if you looked at it like you're saying a one liter engine in a big car that won't work but yeah. modern engines do so they've made a really good matter a, a job with petrol engines most of the manufacturers now and um, diesel we know and love the current crop of diesels are very good their emissions are very low what's being demonized are older used secondhand cars that were probably euro 5 and, and older euro 5 is an, an emission standard that they apply to all new cars manufactured and cars can't fall below that set standard. So at certain times, we're on Euro 6C at the moment, I think. 
Euro 7 will be coming. So the manufacturers are forced to make as clean and green cars as they can. So the current crop of brand new diesels are very good, very efficient and very good for high mileage users. And their emissions are very low and their NOx, which is this nasty gas, which comes particularly from diesel, but you also get it from petrol engines. It's very low as well. So diesels, yeah, we love, but they still, they're a noise and the government is, is trying to push us away from them. Mild hybrids, well, that's a petrol engine. You don't even notice really the hybrid part of that working. Hybrids, yeah, they're great to use because the joy of just getting into an automatic, having a go pedal and a stop pedal, the ease of use is absolutely phenomenal. You just get in, you go, and you love it. You say, what was I doing for years, shifting this lever on the thing and dipping my left leg on this clutch? What's that all about? So we are heading towards an automatic society. Yeah. All electric cars are, are automatic. They just have one gear. They have a forward gear and, and then the gear gets reversed and it, and it goes backwards. So we will not be driving manual cars in 10 years time. We'll all be buying, if, they're, if they are hybrid or if they're electric, they will all be automatic. So it's interesting to see the way it's going. But the rattly noise you've had from diesel and you've grown to love, you'll soon be finding that rarer and rarer. Plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, they are fantastic. Um, but you've got to remember you have an engine as well as having a hybrid technology in the car. So you've got all these extra bits which need to work in harmony. Uh, and so with more bits, there's the potential for more, more bits to go wrong. What we've seen is that manufacturers frequently will talk about upgrading the battery packs and making them larger to sort of future-proof them. Um, some companies have actually done this already with PHEVs, which have been out for a couple of years. But in every other sense, they really are, you know, an internal combustion engine, which needs servicing. And then they have a hybrid component, which also needs servicing, at least a check over. So there will be the expense of an internal combustion engine being serviced, as well as the look over of the hybrid technology. But really, in every other sense, it's a win-win with PHEVs. Is there a big cost difference between the engines, both like in terms of price and the actual day-to-day -day running of them? Well, I suppose the price is a big thing because that's the initial outlay you're going to have to shell out to get the actual car on your driveway. And what we know is that a battery electric vehicle costs a lot of money to produce because battery technology is expensive. And also there are incentives to reduce the price, but they're still very expensive compared to a petrol or diesel, where a battery electric vehicle will get its money back in terms of its running costs. So if you do a lot of short journeys, frequent journeys and quite high mileage, but they're short journeys, you will get that back in the savings versus paying for fuel because your electricity will be cheap. You'll also have that lovely warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you're producing zero emissions. And fingers crossed, I think at the moment, we've got 40% of electricity in Ireland produced by wind. That number is going to grow. So you will feel very good about yourself with a BEV, but your initial outlay will be a lot. But in servicing and day-to-day -day running, the costs will be very low with a battery electric vehicle. With a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, you've still got an internal combustion engine to service. You've got to fuel it, and you also have your hybrid electric component part of it. Now, it's the best of both worlds because you'll never be stuck. And for that peace of mind, you, ha you have to put a price on that. And for a lot of people, it's a price worth paying. So a PHEV will be dearer than your diesel or your petrol car or your hybrid car because of that additional battery pack, which is bigger than in a hybrid, but not in any way near as large as what you'd find in a battery electric vehicle. So they cost, a PHEV will cost you that bit more to buy, but in terms of its economies, if you use it properly, if you plug it in at every opportunity and run on electricity as much as you can, um, your fuel costs will be very, very low. 
And even, you know, the fact that the fuel tank is pressurized, people are able to run these things with a fuel, full tank of fuel and have that full tank of fuel for months. Um, and that's something if you consider a petrol car with a full tank of fuel for most people wouldn't even last a week. In terms of costs, MHEVs, they're slightly dearer than standard petrol or diesel cars to produce, but not by very much. And they will become the norm because it's a great way of reducing emissions and CO2 slightly. And again, that has whole impacts on retail cost and taxation and so on. So if you're trying to go green, you should treat a mild hybrid just like you would a modern diesel or petrol car. And you should remember the word mild. That's the word mild if you're going to consider buying one. Michael, uh, I like the, the idea of owning a car that like is better for the environment, but like, is it true that these hybrid cars are more environmentally friendly and like, are they economical? It's funny, John, because you know, if you're driving along and you're diesel and you're at operating temperature and you're cruising along, your CO2 emissions are less than a petrol car. And maybe a hybrid car would probably match your diesel emissions when the car is running at its optimal temperature. You have a petrol car and you and I know a petrol car uses more fuel than a diesel car. Um, that's just a given, and that's been a, that way for years. It's the nature of how that fuel burns in the engine. The hybrid part of it, the hybrid component of it, really starts to save you money when you're in stop-start traffic or you're in built-up areas. As an open motorway cruiser, give me a diesel any day of the week if I'm doing higher mileage, because it'll be more efficient, more fuel efficient. A hybrid uh, on the open road doesn't get a chance to regenerate any electricity back into its batteries because you're not really braking or even lifting off. You're kind of holding the car at a constant speed. So, you know, John, if I would say to you, a petrol and a diesel car side by side doing 100 kilometers on a motorway for an hour, which one is going to give you better fuel consumption? You and I know it's the diesel. Yeah. So there is savings to be made. Hybrids, short journeys, small petrol cars, short journeys where they don't, they'll get up to operating temperature quicker than a diesel. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And they really work well in the urban environment. But um, you tell that to anybody in, or sorry, in, in the urban environment, you tell anybody in the rural environment what works well, and it's still diesel. Michael, where I park my car every day, I see various types of hybrid cars plugged in and that. But like, what's the difference between a hybrid engine and a plug-in hybrid? I think PHEV, remember? That's yeah. the, the buzz phrase, the P is for plug. Yeah, absolutely. Because... It gives you the ability to run the car as an electric car, whereas a hybrid will decide when it needs to run on electricity or to run on petrol. I know, you know, if, if I have a hybrid uh, car on test, I can't be guaranteed if I want to leave the driveway, even though I know there's battery power, that it will run on electricity and quietly exit the driveway. Hybrid cars, they will look after their own charging as they go. And you know those, this phrase, self-charging hybrid? Yeah. It's not, it's self-charging because it's getting charged from its own engine. If you run out of petrol in a self-charging hybrid, you're, you're not, you're not going anywhere because you, you will run out of power. So it's a bit of a misnomer to say self-charging is, um, is the answer. Hybrids are just a way of making petrol engines that bit more efficient and reducing their emissions. But a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle is terrific because you will have up to 50 kilometers of range on electricity only. So it allows you run as an electric car, a zero emissions electric car. And what all the manufacturers are doing is in future, they'll have it worked in with their satellite navigation. There's a phrase geofencing, which sounds really cool. But what it means is once you get into a certain area, cars will be instructed to run on electricity alone or zero emission zones in London and so on. So if you've got a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle that can do this, 
it will then meet those requirements. So in terms of future-proofing yourself, a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle is the only hybrid people should really be thinking about if they are deliberately wanting to make an effort to go that bit greener. Standard hybrids, they're very good. They're out there. They're, all manufacturers have them in some shape or form. They're lovely to drive, but they aren't miracle workers. As you know, I'm down driving 30 years and I've had everything from petrols, diesels, two litres, you know, yourself. Are there certain engines out there that are maybe more reliable? Yeah, it is a tricky one. I think the, the thing you need to reset, John, um, and it's, it's a tricky one because it's, a, it's nearly a generational thing, two litre. Yeah. We got to start stopping, ignore the cubic capacity, two litres or 2000 cc's. It doesn't really matter. The figures to look for are the horsepower and the Newton meter. So horsepower will either be described as PS or HP or sometimes BHP. There's a slight technical difference, but it's minuscule. Don't worry about it. So horsepower, that's how much really oomph you have. So so that's how quick the car will go. It's its ability to go quick, like at motorway speeds and, and how nippy it would be. Newton meters is the torque measurement. Now we used to know, you know, foot pounds torque from the yeah. farm and stuff. You know, a tractor has more torque than you could shake a stick at and your diesel has lots of torque. And hybrids thankfully have torque because they realize that that's the gap to fill in with your petrol engine, get the electric motor to do that low end. And with an electric motor, your torque is instantly available. So the second you touch your foot on an electric car's accelerator, it takes off like a sprinter. It's it's phenomenal. And that's just the nature and the efficiency of an electric motor, which and they, and they are brilliant. So you need to just look at those numbers and make sure those numbers add up for you with the amount of gear you'd want to carry and stuff and for leisurely life and not have to worry about shifting down a gear for that big hill or worrying about that overtake of the of the HGV. Are you going to have enough grunt just to get by it? Or are you going to have to shift down gear? Look at the torque figure. So I'd say ease up on the looking at the litre size and then look at those figures that are available. In terms of people producing good or bad engines, to be honest, this day and age, nearly all engines are fantastic. The engineering involved and so many companies share engines. There's one very large German group and they've about seven or eight different brands and they all use each other's engines. So you can have the posh version, which, you know, you'd, you'd have an executive driving and you can have a, a car like yours and whatever, they have the same two liter engines. They have the same things underneath. And so the, there's this commonality of parts and synergy that the companies get by, by sharing all of these components and selling engines to each other and sharing bits and bobs between each other. So there's, it's very hard to find a bad, a bad engine or to say somebody is bad. What you will find is that there's reliability studies and there's a company like JD Power. There's a few others who will do surveys of people and how they're getting on with their cars. And, and a lot of these are very good. And you'll find then that certain brands or certain, nearly it's even certain country traits can um, can lead to having cars which develop a very loyal fan base. And the trickiest thing the companies find is shifting somebody out of the car brand that they're in into another one. So that's the hardest thing to do. But some people are doing it by, again, if you've got a f uh, all your cars on sale are all hybrids and you have a great dealer network, you're going to catch a lot of people because you're 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 the nearby dealership and and that's what people are going to buy. We can only buy from the menu that's put in front of us. Exactly. Yeah. But that menu is shared and nobody these days is making a bad new car. Okay, Michael, thanks a million. Based on everything that you've we've discussed today, like what engine type 
would you recommend that best suits my needs? First of all, the first question is, do you need to change at all? Would a decent okay. service, a brand new set of tires, getting the car validated, would that would that see you right? Do you think there's more more miles in the car? And if there is, that's probably the greenest thing you can do is to not consume any any more. Yeah. But sometimes a car can let you down or you don't, or you say, no, um, I just, I've, I've, I've a feeling in my waters that this is, it's time to change. And so be it. And that's great. Now, luckily your brand of car, there's a plug-in hybrid version of that, okay. uh, which is, which is just coming out now, which is terrific. And uh, they use a, a brand called IV. So you'll see the name of the car and then you'll see the letter IV after it. More and more companies are coming out with their versions which will have a plug-in hybrid elect, uh, plug-in hybrid electric vehicle option. And because all manufacturers have to have an average CO2 emissions across their the cars they produce that, that meets a certain target. And if they don't meet that, they're in trouble, they get fined. So there are more and more options available. Now, you have a cavernous boot in the car you have. So have, yeah. there's a number of, of manufacturers who still do large estates. The trend at the moment is everybody's going to SUV shape or crossovers, the sort of the Jeep style of car. Now, the trouble is to get the same amount of cabin space and boot space, you really need a very, very big one of those, which looks very intimidating and really doesn't make as much sense as an estate car. An estate car makes massive, massive sense for as a family car and for growing people. I mean, in, you know, I know in the back of in the back of your car, you can stretch your legs out. You could literally put um, uh, put your two hands out sitting down. You wouldn't touch the back seat if you you know adjusted it that way. And the boot is enormous, which takes your gear. What I would suggest is that if any take your fancy, if any particular models or brands take your fancy, take your biggest kit bag, take whatever you need, the most awkward thing you carry. Or if you're a golfer, take your driver that fits into easily fits into the back of your the, the boot of your car and make sure it fits in the car you're getting. So it's a case of you can, you know, you can try on different cars, but it'll be hard for people to, to dissuade you out of the brand that you now know. So, you know, it's ins and outs and so on. And what you can tell is that with every new generation of the car you have, it's going to be safer, it's going to be greener, and it's going to be nicer to, to, to use and more refined with more safety aids, more um, creature comforts, you know, between CarPlay, Android Auto and all these things. So they're the sort of things that you have to judge and say, well, you know, how much do I need this new car? Okay, let's find one that fits and then let's find one that works. In terms of powertrain, plug in, hybrid electric vehicle a plug-in hybrid is the way to go to be reasonably future-proof because you'll never be stuck for fuel you'll never be stuck at a recharging electric recharging station waiting for somebody to clear the spot so you can get in and charge you won't have to worry about any of the range anxiety that somebody in a battery electric vehicle has which is a serious thing and it requires a lot of planning you can run it as a zero emissions vehicle nine times out of 10, if you manage your journeys. And then when you're doing your long journey, you know that, well, it's going to use the electricity, but I can also save that electricity till I get to where I am. So I'm not polluting where I am. You can just press a button and do that. But you know that you'll get good miles per gallon and you'll be able to cover the distance you want with no worries and be able to fuel up at a filling station in a few minutes, as opposed to a few hours if you've got an electric car. So I'd say look close to home, ask yourself a few questions. You know, mm. a change of tires, a professional valet will make a world of difference to the inside of the car. Or maybe even a gadget or two from an accessories uh, store could yeah. keep the car, could give it an extra lease of life for you. Stall that significant purchase. A set of roof bars then, yeah? 
roof bars. Absolutely. And sure, look, when if you need to go away and if you want to bring three families with you, you know, a roof box and you're sorted. You'd have enough space. <laughs> being being the, far, the farmer side of me, I do have the tow bar on it and it's great pulling power. Uh, there's no issues there with it at all. And that's um, and actually, John, when you mentioned uh, pulling power, you've got to just double check as well, because a lot of the hybrid cars will put the additional batteries in behind the back seats or in the boot area. So the okay. under boot area can often be taken up where you'd have extra storage or where the spare wheel would go. They frequently won't have a spare wheel. Again, it cuts down on emissions, but also the batteries can be there. Some of them then have reduced carrying capacity or towing capacity. And oh. that's something to watch out because you and I know most, most will do the up to the 750 kilogram trailer that you can tow on a normal license. But you and I would occasionally tow a twin axle trailer or an Ifor Williams or whatever. Yep. Trailer where you need it braked and uh, some of them aren't certified um, for, for towing that weight. So okay. that's something to check. And, and, and they won't necessarily volunteer that to you, but anywhere you go, because you need a tow bar, say, you know, it, it, what's it certified to tow? Okay, does it come with a tow bar? They'll probably say yes. A lot of them have just swing out, even automatic tow bars, uh, where you just press a button and it will slot out for you. And it has all the wiring there and done for you. It's very neat. But then it's the capacity that it's certified to tow. That's another okay. thing to check. So that'd be a, a top tip for you. Michael, thanks a million for that. That's a lot of information to take uh, on there. And uh, look, as you said there, the fact that the current car that I'm driving is coming out with a hybrid version of it, I'm uh, really going to keep an eye on that. It's something that I will definitely consider in the future. Um, so look, thanks a million for, for all that information. And look, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. John, you're a gentleman. I hope you have uh, every success in your search for a, uh, for a new motor in time and that your, um, your Skoda sees you right and keeps you on the road you're travelling. Thank you. When it comes to car engines, it can be confusing to know what's true or false, beneficial or in fact harmful to the environment. Today, I've uh, hopefully given you some clarity on the key things to consider before your purchase of your next car. Happy motoring. Happy motoring.